What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Co-op Couch. I'm Anthony. I have Alec here with me again, as always. But today we have another person on the couch with us. We got another guest in for you guys. We have Evan, who is our uh, community manager for the ambassador program for Final Fantasy VII Remake First Soldier. I am an ambassador, and so I asked him to join us here today. And he was gracious enough to take the time to do that so we can ask him some questions. Uh, Evan, if you want to introduce yourself, let people know who you are. Sure. Hi, I'm Evan. Uh, as was just introduced, I'm the community manager uh, for Final Fantasy VII The First Soldier. I am an employee of A-Team Entertainment, Inc., who is one of the co-developers along with Square Enix. A lot of people uh, kind of aren't aware of that, that I'm not a Square employee. I'm an A-Team Entertainment employee. So just to clarify that up front, also a small disclaimer. I am not here as an official representative of either company, so any opinions that I give are my own and do not necessarily uh, reflect those of either company, just to get that out of the way. Perfect. And yeah, I think that about does it for my self-introduction, at least for now. Yeah, which is awesome because your opinions are the ones that we are here for. So Great. Um, let's, let's start with uh, how, how you ended up in your role at like as a community manager, like, were you always on this project or? No, I've, uh, it's kind of a long story, actually. I've been an employee of A-Team Entertainment for over nine years now. I started back in December of 2012. Um, and at the time, it was a much smaller company, uh, had just gotten into the mobile games industry. Uh, and one of our first games, Dark Summoner, was you know taking off overseas, and so we wanted to expand and release more titles uh, outside of Japan. So I was originally hired as just a localizer. Uh, I started doing a bunch of translation work, and then you know as time went by, we released more games. We started getting a bigger and bigger community uh, outside of Japan, and we didn't really have any avenues to communicate directly with our users. Uh, and I thought that was something that needed to be remedied, so I took charge of that and got some official forums put up. Uh, and keep in mind, this was like eight or nine years ago when forums were still, you know, like the most relevant technology for communication. Right. Uh, and so we operated those. I was also a team admin on the forums and we had a really great community there. Then as time went by, I kind of wanted to shift my focus a little bit from translation and that kind of community work to marketing. So I shifted over to our marketing department and I ran ads on Facebook. And I know that's probably going to cost me some fans. Some people are probably going to hate me now because, yeah, some of those horrible <laughs> Facebook ads, they were put there by me. Uh, and I did that for a couple of years. Um, and then, you know, technology was shifting forums were no longer the best method to communicate online gamers were getting used to other uh, forum or not forums but methods of communication and so again i kind of took charge and said we need a discord server so i built a discord server for our existing titles which were at the time unison league and valkyrie connect and built up our community there then more years go by final fantasy 7 the first soldier becomes a thing uh, they need someone to kind of lead the community, make the Discord server, uh, all that kind of fun stuff. And I was the best option. I was definitely the most senior option. Uh, so that was pretty much when I made the full shift from marketing back to community management. And I set up our Discord server. I helped to create you know, our Facebook page, our Twitter account, uh, kind of set guidelines for how we should differentiate the operations of the English uh, social media pages and social media channels versus the Japanese ones. 
and all that kind of stuff. And here we are. Hope that wasn't too drawn out. No, that was good. That's no, that was good. I, I, I didn't. I, and you know, some of those, some of those games that you like, Unison League and or, mm-hmm. uh, and the Valkyrie and Dark Summoner. I like. I've heard of them before because I'm always looking for like new mobile games, and so it's interesting to like, hey, like that you also did stuff with Unison League, which is another game like I've I've dabbled with a little bit here and there. So that's oh, yeah. really interesting. Definitely, and those games, they're you know fairly old at this point. They're six years old or more. But they still have very active communities, very passionate uh, players. And I still do some community support on those sides as well. I'm not 100% on uh, the First Soldier. I am still the main administrator of uh, the A-Team Entertainment Discord, even though I'm not as present there as I was in the past. I'm more focused on the First Soldier stuff for now. So this is actually your first... Um, you have no previous history with like Final Fantasy or BR even... No, not in this position, not in this role. No, just uh, in the mobile gaming sphere, as it were. What about as far like have you played Final Fantasy games before, or was this like your first introduction, really, or did you know anything going into this? What gamer hasn't played a Final Fantasy game? (laughs) Yeah, Uh, gamer hasn't played a Final Fantasy. (laughs) Are you telling me you've never played a Final Fantasy game? I uh. Played is a, a subjective term. Mm-hmm. Um, is it though? Is it? <laughs> I I roped him into Final Fantasy fourteen with a couple weeks of pure harassment, uh, mm. and you know, w- which could be translated to uh, tough love because only people that care would drag you into fourteen. And uh, also, <laughs> you you played seven remake though. You played seven remake. I did play remake. Uh, I. And when I was, I did, I played and completed Seven Remake, uh, and I've played but not completed OG Seven, and that is about as extensive as my Final Fantasy history goes. <laughs> Fair. So, well, it's not absolutely zero. You've got some experience there. So Evan, when they approached you and they were like, "Hey, we're doing this this Final Fantasy game of of any sort," were you just like super ecstatic, or is it kind of just another? Okay, oh yeah, cool. And not just Final Fantasy, but, you know, arguably the biggest Final Fantasy, at least on the the international uh, stage. You know, Final Fantasy VII is pretty much the Final Fantasy in a lot of people's minds. It's like a cult Um, classic, right? Yeah, exactly. Not even a cult classic, just a classic classic. And uh, so, yeah, when I first found out about the project, I was super excited. And I was kind of similar to Alec, honestly. I'd never played the original uh, Final Fantasy VII. I don't want to say I had never played it. I had, but I hadn't gotten that far into it because, you know, turn-based RPGs, honestly, weren't really my cup of tea. Um, so I had definitely played Remake, and I beat it, and I love that game. Uh, and so, you know, having this opportunity to be involved with a project with an IP of, of this international renown was very, very exciting stuff. What about, um, like, BR history, like PUBG, H1Z1, anything like that? Do you play those in, like, your personal time, have experience with those as well? Or? Oh, yes. I'm mainly a PC gamer, and I have been for a very long time. And Battle Royales, I wouldn't say it's they're past their peak necessarily, but, you know, when PUBG came out, it was the game that everyone was playing, and I definitely got in on that. Um, and all of the, the, the other big battle royales that have been released since, like Apex Legends, Call of Duty Warzone. Uh, recently, there's one called Super People that I've been dabbling with and having some fun. Yeah, I've, I've been into all of them. Would you say when they approached you with this, was your first reaction more on the side of like, how the fuck do you make Final Fantasy a BR? Or was it more like, hell yeah, two of my favorite things together. I'm down. Let's go. 
So the way it was introduced to me was game had been, you know, a very tightly kept secret, even within the company, within A-Team Entertainment. It had been going on for quite a while. Uh, it was always referred to under a code name. Uh, there was only a select handful of people uh, that knew all of the details of the project. And uh, when they looped me in, one of the, the higher people in the company uh, had a one-on-one -on -one meeting with me and said, okay, so first I'll tell you the IP. It's Final Fantasy VII. And I said, oh, that's awesome. I got very excited. Uh, and all of our games up to that point had been role-playing games. So I was probably you know, the same as 99% of the gaming population out there. I was expecting some kind of role-playing related game. And then he said, I have a, a short gameplay video to show you. And he pulled it up on his laptop and it was a battle royale. And I, I kind of flipped out a little bit, to be honest, <laughs> because as I mentioned, you know, I hadn't played the original Final Fantasy VII to completion and turn-based RPGs weren't really my bag, baby, as, you know, some famous person said once. Um, but yeah, Battle Royales, like I said, I'd, I'd played a lot of them. I'm way more familiar with the Battle Royale uh, formula and gameplay than uh, turn-based RPGs. So I was extremely excited after that. I think one of my favorite things about it, personally, because I was never, like, I don't want to say I wasn't a huge BR player. I played pretty much every BR and a lot of it, but it's usually because of, like, some of my friends, right? Like, I wouldn't go out of my way to play, play BRs, typically. Uh, I was never really good at them. A lot of people know the inside joke about uh, me and a couple of my friends. We used to play H1Z1, like, religiously, and I got nicknamed Bambi mm -hmm. because we would drop, and they were, like, picking all the hot spots. They, they wanted the action. And about halfway into our drop, mm -hmm. I would freak out, and I would veer off to a campsite in the woods, and I would hide. And if they survived, I would mm -hmm. meet up with them later. And if they died, I would continue to hide in the woods until... You know, top 10, I was I was always in the top 10, but I didn't have no kills. And then I would find someone and it didn't end well. So uh, after I eventually got better at H1, that was one of the things that I liked about it was that it was not very. Um, like PUBG, you loot for 40 minutes and then someone that's been hiding in that same building pop you from behind. You never see it coming. H1 was very oh, yeah. you know, high, high speed, run at each other, shoot each other, done and done. And I think that's what I really like about this game is because of the class system you you have that option like you can play tactical right you can you can hide you can use terrain you can whatever but also there's like swords and ninja stars and and even like summon materia and reasons to get out and up in someone's face and and that's a really nice change of pace i think Definitely. And I agree with that. And uh, like the leveling system as well, I thought was a really uh, unique addition to the genre as well, where even if you want to take that strategy of avoiding other players, you can still find ways to strengthen yourself outside of looting, uh, since there are, you know, monsters outside of the cities that you can go out and attack uh, to, you know, strengthen yourself, even if you're not the best at player versus player combat, you can help yourself, you know, increase your odds of making it to the final circle and maybe even eking out a win, even if, you know, you avoid people as much as possible. Yeah, and I think that's what's so unique about 7 Remake First Soldier, right? Is mm -hmm. like most most Battle Royales, you just, you it's player versus player combat all the time. Yeah. But with this, you have you have the monsters, like you said. you And like then you even have like the... Um, with special missions or however you call them uh like mm -hmm. with the the scorpions and like now there's cloud that you can go fight and you can do that mm -hmm. stuff too and that even gets you more stuff and then you have challenges or like hey like go open three loot boxes which gives you experience and then you get also like, in the loot and stuff and i think it's a really neat way plus with most brs these days it's always just guns but oh, here yeah. you have yeah. the mix of the materia 
and then you have the summon materials which are really neat and then you have melee and then you still have the shooting so it's a it's a lot of variety and a lot of different uh tactics and strategy which is what i really like about the game definitely and i i think that you know one of my first concerns uh when i heard you know the plans for the game was you're gonna have melee in a battle royale with guns how in the world are you gonna balance that and uh not to you know to our company's horn too much or anything like that but i think overall they've done a fairly good job of balancing that out where melee is still completely viable and even you know more powerful than ranged weapons in a lot of cases so i think uh you know a lot of care and attention has been put into that a lot of analyzing data from the original closed beta test that we ran months ago and since things have gone on the live servers you know meta of course will appear in any of game course. there's going to be a meta there's going to be the strongest gun or strongest materia and uh, the company has been doing, I think, a good job of listening to not only feedback, but also looking at the data to see what things need to be tweaked and how they should be tweaked. Yeah. In my personal opinion, the tweaks could be done a little bit more frequently. But at the same time, I also understand that, you know, messing with things too much can be confusing, especially to newer players who become used to, you know, when I use this material, it has this effect. And then tomorrow, that's completely different. Yeah. So yeah, that's another tough sure. balancing act is balancing of the balancing. I think one thing that you guys have done really and not to be like a total ass kisser, but I think one thing one thing that's <laughs> been done really well, I noticed right off the right off the get go is, you know, I, I'm lucky enough to as an ambassador have the ambassador chat where I can I can talk to you or or say, you know, hey, Evan, do you mind like I noticed this or this bug or this thing? Like, what do you know about it? And and typically you'll be like, Hey, let me look into it, talk to some guys, I'll let you know. And as, as far as balance goes, like it's, it's really cool how, how well it is already balanced, but also like when, when people get in that chat and they discuss, Hey, I noticed this, this, and this, it becomes active feedback. And then like the first patch, like warrior warrior was fucking two combos and you were dead. And they were like, all right, maybe, mm -hmm. maybe we tune this down a bit. But one of the first questions that I ever asked in that chat was, Hey, I just, you know, I had this thought warrior is so incredibly strong. It's a three hit combo for anyone that hasn't played the game. They do three melee attacks and it's, inc it's incredibly strong. Cause that's what warrior is, is a sword user. And I said, Hey, um, the other classes is the, it, like by the number is the melee combo, roughly the same damage, just different amounts of hits or is warrior just that much stronger. And, uh, I, I believe the answer was that. By calculation, they were only offset by, you know, two or three damage. It was minimal. So you have that viability to, to melee, even if you're not a warrior. And and I like that because to me, that is balance at its at its core, right? Like, obviously, they have other things to do with their numbers. But I, I like I love the fact that I could play a sorcerer and bonk shit with a stick and have that late game viability with materia, but yeah. still not have to worry about getting outclassed by a warrior running up on me. I mean, I, I might anyway, cause of his mobility and strength, but like, if it comes down to it, I can bonk someone with a staff and not be dealing one or two damage because haha, I'm a sorcerer. If that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, and that's exactly what I was going to say too, is, uh, it took me a while cause I picked up first soldier and go as a, someone who loves playing, um, melee classes. I saw sorcerer and I was like, this is exactly what I want. I want to play sorcerer and sorcerer has been like, my quote-unquote main since I since I started playing um 
and I hesitated at the beginning because I was like, there's no way Sorcerer does damage with their melee staff. Like, there's no way. Like, sure, they do damage, but, like, not enough. And then I, I like, tried it, and I was like, no, absolutely. Like, I can absolutely kill people with this. And I thought that, I'd like it. I thought that was great. I was like, it doesn't, it just doesn't, it doesn't mean I just have a dead button. It doesn't mean that I'm, like, outclassed significantly by, like, everything else. It's just, like, you actually have to play, and it's more skill-based based off of, like, than just numbers. And I think that's really great. So it gives I you, agree. even though you're playing sorcerer, you still can you can still use the the melee, especially in the early phases, right? Where it's like you might not have a gun, where it matters the most. Yeah, exactly. And I think the whole system that the team has set up, as far as the melee goes, is also pretty clever because it still opens the door for balance adjustments, even without tweaking the the total damage output, like. Uh, Warriors, for example, their original three-hit combo was a little too strong. Uh, and so in a recent balance patch, they made it so the first two hits are weak, and then the third hit is much stronger. So you still have you know the same total damage output as all the hits, but you have to have enough skill to actually be able to track your opponent and land that third hit to actually you know maximize the potential of the warrior's melee output. And you know, they've done other changes uh, as well, like with the monk class recently just got a buff. And shocking confession, I still haven't touched Monk even after the recent buff because it's not my preferred playstyle. But yeah, there there's still plenty of balancing work that can be done even with you know the confines that do already exist within the game. Speaking on that, uh, you haven't played Monk because it's not your favorite. But like, what is your favorite class that you play or like play the most? I'm a ranger guy. Same. I play Hell ranger yeah. a lot. Yeah. High five. Definitely. Ranger. Like it, it definitely has its weaknesses, and there was even just some discussion in the Discord server earlier today that uh, Ranger is underpowered compared to other styles because it doesn't really have any abilities that help out in combat. But I'm fine with that. Like I already suck at combat, so I don't think an extra ability or anything like that was going to help me out anyway. I like you know getting the advantage before combat begins. So like the assess skill that that's basically a wall hack. Yeah. It puts icons on enemy candidates and monsters that you can see even through walls, and not only for yourself but your teammates can see them as well. So it it's uh, I don't know. It's a very different play style to the other styles, uh, but it, I think it fits my preferences best. And especially in team matches, I I always prefer support classes. I'm not much of a damage dealer or tank myself. I always like to help my teammates do stuff better. So the the ranger is the best yeah, fit for me. I think I think assess is just way too good, which is which is one of the reasons I switched to ranger because I loved it. The only thing that sucks about it is when you get used to using it so often, you you start to mm. like become reliant. Like I was so I yeah. was uh, I was streaming it the other night and I was getting some viewers in, and we were we were choosing classes. So before I before I was ranger, I was warrior. And I really enjoy Warrior. The problem with that is because they're so good at melee, I was not getting better at shooting. I was way too reliant on melee. I would dash in and kill everyone with a sword. And yeah, you get 15 kills with a sword, but when it comes to time to shoot, if you never get better at shooting, you're, you're going to get outclassed in that, in that final two, and that's what was happening. So I was like, oh, let me try mm. and play something that forces me to use a gun, and I dabbled with Ranger, and then I loved Assess. But what's funny is the other night I was playing with viewers and uh, one of my viewers was like, yeah, I only play Ranger. And I was like, all right, you can have Ranger and I, I'll play Warrior again. It's it's fine. And it we dropped, but it was it was such a like muscle memory thing to me 
that uh, mm-hmm. I couldn't find a gun. There was another team dropped with us, and I couldn't find a gun. I'm on Warrior, and literally all I had to do was dash in and beat the shit out of a guy. But because I was in the mindset of, oh, I'm on Ranger... I was running away from him and like continuously dodge rolling. And that's, what's even funnier is I could have used my dash to get away if I didn't want to engage. And I still didn't. Cause I, I was like, so I got yeah. down and I was like, Oh fuck. I forgot. I forgot. I was a warrior. Um, so yeah, you get a, you get a little reliant that, but that assess is so good. I, I really enjoy it. I would like to see them have more to use in combat, but with how good assess is mm-hmm. like, I, I'm I'm like you. I'm not complaining. I I love Ranger. Yeah, and the strength of assess is also useful since the other ability that Rangers have control, where you can take control of a slug ray for a little bit. It's I don't know, I think it has extremely limited use, especially compared to assess. Like you could use it to scout the area and you know see if there are any other enemies nearby, but at the same time, assess does that for you even better. So why not just use assess? So maybe control the other uh, ranger ability could be swapped out for something else. Maybe I mean I wouldn't complain if that were the case. But even if it were, I love assess so much that I would probably same. still continue to use it yeah, anyway. Honestly, same. Well, and it's so funny too because like you were saying, like you've been playing ranger a lot, and like I'll be honest, I mostly only play sorcerer just because I really dig the class a lot. Um, and I'll try, I'll do one a couple, one or two matches as other classes, mostly for like dailies. And then I'll just be like, oh, I'm going to go back to Sorcerer because I love having access to all the materia and the increased MP regen. And like how you were saying with Assess, you get used to it. With me, it's like, oh, I cast two spells. I can't cast four more spells after this because my MP is not back up. What are you talking about? Like I, you get used to the increased MP regen, especially with like Trance or um, the Ley Lines that you put down. I forget the actual name of them, but the increased MP ring. Yeah. Um but I did do that exact same thing where I was I was playing uh, Ranger because it was for a daily. I played Ranger. I played a couple matches. I went to Sorcerer and I went to use Assess. And I was like, God, I wish I had it right now. Like, I need this. Like, I want to know. But, oh, man, like, it, it becomes so neat with the, with the classes and the class system that you guys have. It's like every, every class has their own play style. Like, there's, there's something for you no matter what. Um, no matter what your playstyle is, if you want to be the supporty ranger guy that assesses and helps your team out that way, you you got that. If you want to be the guy that dashes in and wants to be tanky, um, you have that. And if you want to be the the spellcaster in the back and and cast cure to get your team back up, and then also cast fireballs or thunders and things like that, like you can do that. And there's something for everything, for everybody. Yeah, and I think in that sense, the the team also did a good job of you know implementing RPG style elements into the battle royale genre like i touched on the level up system a little bit earlier but the whole style system as well like it's another thing there other uh, battle royales like apex legends has heroes that have their own unique abilities and that kind of thing and that's i don't want to say inspiration was drawn but i think uh you know compared to like PUBG, where everyone is exactly the same starting line with exactly the same uh uh abilities since you know no one has abilities in that game um uh, like we, we the team kind of looked at what's already out there what works what doesn't what can be improved upon and probably apex and its hero system was looked at and said hey that's that's a cool idea but you know final fantasy 7 being an rpg we can do more with it and this is what they came up with the whole style system and i think it works very well Yeah, see and that's one of my favorite Agreed. things about having like i was talking about all the melee being roughly the same damage output like one of my biggest pet peeves with battle royales was always the fact that like i am i am 
of a firm belief that nothing that is competitive should ever be entirely uh reliant on on rng like like a battle royale is a battle royale so obviously you know maybe you don't find the best gun in your first drop that that kind of rng is fine but it always sucked when like you would drop and literally no gun spawns and you're like oh i found fucking 500 ammo but nothing to put it in and someone comes up behind you and they pop you and that's kind of the coolest thing about mm. the class system is if you drop and you don't find a single materia you don't find a single pistol you don't find anything at least you can still attack in some way or or even like ninja can hide and run away monk can put up the barrier and run away some form of survivability you're not just boned every time you drop in and can't find something because of rng yeah yeah agreed and that was always my experience in PUBG too. And one of the main reasons I stopped playing was because I would always, you know, if I drop into a hot area that has a, a good loot table, then I would just instantly get killed by someone who was a million times better than me. And if I went to a desolate area, I wouldn't be able to find any good weapons. And so I'd run around scavenging for 20 or 30 minutes. And then as soon as I find another player, they're going to be better kitted than me and they're just going to kill yep. me instantly anyway. Yeah, really. So, yeah, I think, uh, the first soldier has a better experience for people who are less skilled at battle royales, such Same. as myself. Same. Um, speaking of the classes, uh, and I don't know if you can discuss this or uh, give us more information, but even if just from your personal side, um, are there any classes that you would personally want to see, or is there anything that like you could tell us? Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm allowed to say, so I'm That's fine, not going to say to... much as far as official stuff, other than the first season will be coming to an end soon, and who knows what season two will hold. Uh, but anyways, personally, um, like I said before, I, I like support classes. I always like to play support roles on multiplayer, like MMORPGs and such. I think Red Mage would be really fun. Like, I know Final Fantasy VII really have Red Mages, so it's not something that could be ported one-to-one. Because -one. when I played I played Final Fantasy XI a lot, and Red Mage is always my main class there. But something similar, um, where maybe Materia could be used. Instead of just on yourself, you could cast more beneficial Materia on your teammates. Like, uh, if there was some kind of barrier uh, that you could cast on your warriors, or you could cast uh, Haste, on a monk to further increase their their attack speed or something like that. That kind of class would be right up my alley personally. Same. I never even considered red mage, but that's sick. Oh my! I didn't even think about that. That's so cool. Red mage would be great. I I, yeah, I, I support so. this idea hundred percent. I I was a red mage main in fourteen for a couple of years. I never got a chance to play eleven, unfortunately. But heavy into fourteen, and I love Red Mage, and I loved Red Mage so much in the MMO that when I went back and did my marathon, and I played all of them, any chance I got to have a Red Mage on my party, I tried to make it work. I love the concept of the class being the perfect balance of both worlds, and I feel like you could do a lot of cool stuff with that, even if it wasn't extra materia. Like that could be their ability, you know, some form of like, yeah, like, like you said, like barrier, even shell. Because endgame sorcerers yeah, yeah. fuck you up with three fireballs coming at your face, like a shell would be mm -hmm. game changing. That's true, and even yeah, like there have been a lot of uh, requests for not necessarily tweaks to the fire material because it's obviously very very strong right now, um, but ways to counter it 
and like a reflect spell the the idea of that has been tossed around a lot so that not even just necessarily as a materia but if it were a class ability then uh, i think that class would be in very high demand i would play it all the time even if it didn't have that kind of reflect or direct counter to the fire materia but yeah i think there are a lot of cool things and i'm not even an ideas guy like all of the the planners on the team are the ones who are in charge of coming up with what goes into the game and what what materia effects there will be and that kind of thing and i'm sure they could come up with a lot more fun stuff than i could that's so i mean if, if i gave them the idea say hey you should put a red mage style in the game i would be very interested to see what they could yeah, come up even, with even that reflect idea is kind of like it, it, it's kind of funny to just picture in my head like final two and sorcerers just slinging everything at you. You just put up reflect and stand still. Three fireballs just bounce off your face and kill him. Oh my god, that'd be hysterical. It would make for a lot of funny montage content on YouTube, yeah. I think. Oh, it's funny, and you you couldn't hear it because Mike muted. But as soon as you said reflect, there was an audible gasp from <laughs> from from Luxon over there. You just hear, yeah. <gasps> understandable. Yeah, no, I think that that actually, like, and I, you, it's funny because you say you're not an ideas guy or like whatever, but you know, I do, I I think about stuff like that all the time. And, like these are things I'd never even thought of before, like putting in perspective like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, these that like red mage or reflect or like even new material would be would be crazy to see like what happens in like the next season or in expansions or or um, not expansions but uh, updates rather. Um, sure. All that stuff just sounds sounds intense uh i know people like i i follow the reddit i don't know if you've if you've looked at the reddit uh lately or anything like that but uh, a couple weeks ago someone was like dragoon um dragoon would be and they had a whole breakdown on how they think dragoon should work and all that stuff and that was really interesting to see like what other people come up with Mm. Um, i've heard that idea tossed around a lot as well of dragoon as an additional class and i think it'd be fun to see I mean, I, I can't really think of a lot of classes that would, could be added that I wouldn't think would be fun, at least to experiment with. But yeah, Dragon as an idea seems to be pretty popular in the community right now. I'm so down to jump on people from God knows where, dude. <laughs> I'm so down. That's a good one. That would be yeah, fun, yeah. Like, I think actually, literally my first question when I was told that it, this game that was being developed for so long internally was a final fantasy seven battle royale my first question was about mobility like what what are the mobility options like because this was when i was told about it, it was a little bit after uh, apex had been released and was the huge thing and the mobility in that game is incredible I, that was one of my favorite things about apex just running around the map and sliding and climbing on stuff um and you know they showed me at the time everything that was available which was the parkour system which is okay. It, it's I'm not going to go out there and say it's the best mobility in any book battle royale ever, um, but it's still fun to scale buildings and that kind of thing. And they showed me arrow, the spell where you can jump really high and that there's no fall damage, which I really appreciate. But yeah, having any form of extra mobility, like even if it's a targeted thing, you have to be close to an enemy. Uh, like that kind of option being available through a dragoon style would be very fun to play with. For sure, agreed. Um, speaking on the topics of things that you would like to see, what about any um, new game modes um, that you would like to see added, or maybe new maps or new summons, things like that? Uh, let's see. Again, this is just speaking my personal opinion. This isn't sure, any yeah. insider information that I have access to, but as as far as new maps go, um, it's like Upper Sector 7 
like anything above the plate because the the current map is all you know the undercity and the slums below uh the plate but you know in final fantasy 7 remake you had a couple of missions above the plate using that area kind of like an, a more urban setting uh would open up some interesting combat options and different strategies and tactics that could be more fun to experiment with and there are obviously some urban areas and environments in the current map but they're still fairly open and there aren't any super tall buildings that you have to weave around uh, when you're hunting opponents and that kind of thing. So I think that could be a very fun option as far as maps go. Um, what else were you asking about? You wanted to know about new maps, new summons, I think you also mentioned. Yeah, summons and also like game modes. Summons and game modes, okay. Game modes, I think any like PvP or PvE option uh, would be fun because I'm terrible at the pvp aspect which i always i always prefer standard matches in the first soldier because there are a lot more bots and it's a lot easier for me to actually kill people and do things but yeah like a, a horde mode maybe or like a boss rush mode because there are a couple of boss type monsters available in the game right now but maybe you and your squad get dropped into the training area or a certain part of the map and you have to survive through x number of waves of normal bot enemies that get harder and harder they have more materia they're higher in level that kind of thing could be pretty fun to play around with um or yeah the boss rush mode could be fun as well um which would be a similar idea yeah, sorry no, go I, ahead i i think that there's a lot of like new game ideas pve that even some people were talking about one thing that confuses me is how many people mm -hmm. were recently asking for like a story mode i don't understand because it's it's final fantasy 7 we know the story like I, I don't really know what people are hoping for there but some people were also mentioning things like um like we right now we have the world spawn events that are that are like the scorpion or cloud um but a lot of people are like like if i show up to kill the scorpion or if i show up to kill cloud someone will run up behind me and try and kill me and take it for themselves and a lot of people recently were talking about something to spawn that like everyone has to work together to kill I think that would be really cool as far as like PVE goes. I, I think something like that would be cooler. Yeah, like a horde mode would be awesome. When I think about new maps, I have a hard time thinking of anything that could be large enough for a battle royale outside of like mm. just the entire world map. So like like I think like jokingly a couple times now I've said, oh, Cosmo Canyon but that's not big enough to be a, a battle mm -hmm. royale. But then the one thing that comes to mind is a game type, maybe play out like, like Valorant or, uh, or CSGO, you know, in which case you could take the Cosmo Canyon environment and then pit people more like an arena shooter. I think that could be cool. Sure. Um, but that's the only way I see new maps happening, which like, I hope I'm wrong. I would love to see some kind of map rotation. I just don't know how you get something big enough to include 75 players, you know? Yeah, there are a lot of things that would have to be considered, obviously, but at the same time, like, if we want this game to be a success over the long term, people are going to get bored of the same map all the time. Like, we had the uh, holiday event recently, which gave it kind of a different appearance. Uh, it also added the night mode of the map. It's the exact same map, only instead of happening, you know, during the daytime, it happens at night. And the holiday event had some snow all over the map and some holiday decorations on various buildings which added a little bit of flavor but at the same time it's still the exact same map yeah. that people have been playing on for months already and the game at this point it's been out for 
about two and a half months, I think it comes out to, or one and a half months. It came out on November 17th, so it's still pretty new. And at this point, people are still, you know, exploring the map and having fun with that. It's more or less been covered by a few dedicated players who have been putting together uh, like an interactive map uh, that's available online that everyone should check out because it's very cool. Um, but as more time goes by, people are going to get tired of the map and going to the exact same locations, and they're going to memorize where all of the spawns are for all the different monster types and all the different weapon types and potions and this and that, and they're going to want something new to keep the game fresh. So I don't have a timeline or anything, but I would say that new maps could be expected at some point in the game's future. Uh, but the points you brought up, I think, are all extremely valid. They're going to have to find locations uh, that are big enough uh, to be used as Battle Royale maps, um, but also not completely devoid of interesting things to see. And the current map in the game, you know, it's based on Final Fantasy VII Remake, so there are a lot of locations that are familiar, uh, but they're laid out a little bit differently than they were in the game. Like, distances between them are bigger or smaller or what have you. So modifications can be made and likely would have to be made in order to, to convert any extra content from Final Fantasy VII Remake into the first soldier. You know, on that note, something that I meant to put in our docket and I totally forgot about until you just said that, it reminded me... Um, and, I, and if this was a conscious decision and you can't answer this question, then it is what it is. But I'm curious. So so First Soldier is supposed to take place is like 30 years, right? Before the events of Seven? Something uh, like that? I think that's when like the, the Soldier Project began was 20 or 30 years before Final Fantasy VII. Uh, but then the game itself takes place a little bit after that. Okay. So I think it's actually 18 years, if I remember correctly. So, but even still, I, mm -hmm. I that was the one, the one thing that I don't want to say it bothers me about the game because to have the connection to what we know is still really cool. But it, it's just it's so weird to me that this is supposed to be so far in the past, but everything is there from Seven Remake, like the hole in the sewer from um. Oh shit! What the hell's the boss's name? Ab Abzu, Abzu, something like that. Yeah, Abzu. I and think then, it is. And then you've got like, like obviously Seventh Heaven is there, and Corneo's mansion, and like, if it's so far in the past, why do those things exist? It was one thing that I I never really understood from a connection. I don't have an explanation for yeah, it. I, I, <laughs> yeah, and I, and I wasn't. I guess I wasn't really expecting one. It's just it's just a thought process that I was like, I wonder if that was a conscious decision or, or why, or it, ultimately the answer I came to myself was the little bit of story that we have is this is in the past, but everyone knows the game and they need the familiarity. That's pretty much how I answered it for myself. I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. And the other part I think is Easter eggs as well. Like the hole in the sewer that you mentioned, I think that's, if you know, you know, yeah. uh, but yeah. people who aren't that familiar with remake probably wouldn't pay any attention to that hole in the sewer walls. Um, and there are a couple of other little Easter eggs like that as well um, that fans of Remake will enjoy, but uh, they are basically just Easter egg level. So they're they're not supposed to be you know, part of the core right. lore of the game or what have you. They're just there for people to go, oh, I know what that's about. The little uh, and that's about ghost, it. ghost scribbles in the, in the train graveyard. I yeah, love, yeah. I love that. that's another good example. Too. Yeah. Yeah, I was about to bring up the ghost group. And too. there are a lot of details like that that uh, were added in by the uh, or one of the head map designers. 
And I don't know if you watched the uh, the first community live stream that I did a little bit ago on the the Square Enix Twitch channel with Glacia Square Enix employee, but I called him out as probably the biggest Final Fantasy VII nerd on the planet, and I stand by that. Like he's he's played the original more times than I knew. He's played remake over and over and over. Like that's what he does with his free time is he just dives into Final Fantasy VII lore. And he was on staff before this game before the first soldier was even a thing so we didn't hire him specifically for this project we just happened to have him on staff and uh we got him on that team we got him involved and i think his level of knowledge of the game and the game world definitely shines in the map design because it's a very done well done map in my personal opinion and not trying to again toot our own horn or anything like that but the map i think was quite well done yeah it's i mean whether you know whether or not it's 30 years in the past or not or 18 years in the past or not and and it's it's what we know like i i love it for what it is because it's what we know you know what i mean that's that's why i was like i was wondering about that but but again i i basically just concluded that it's it's the familiarity that drives the game because if they made Midgar 18 years in the past and that's not what we've played in the original or the remake, then without those Easter eggs, without those connections, the map has no, not no interesting factors, right? The game would still be fun, but it, it, it's mm. so different to be able to see those things, even while you're fighting, right? Like, I think it's hysterical to drop Corneo's Mansion is one of the hottest drop spots. You drop at Corneo's yep. Mansion, you're dodging four players, you end up in his fucking bedroom. And like, <laughs> and like something about that is just fucking hysterical, you know? Uh, oh, I'm in Don Corneo's bedroom and, oh, look, a lethal gaze. Let me turn around and fight this guy. Like, and then you accidentally mm -hmm. wander into the sex dungeon that is not actually <laughs> technically maybe a sex dungeon. We don't know. <laughs> but no comment. That's, uh, yeah, the, the map is, the map is very, very enjoyable, which is why I'm not sick of it yet, but it would be cool to see what else we could do. And as big as it is, and as much as I played the game, there's still plenty of stuff in the map that I haven't seen yet that I'm not uh, fully. What's the word I'm thinking of? I'm not. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. But uh, like during the holiday event, you know, you had one of those challenges to decorate trees all over the map, which was frustrating for a lot of people because there's no way to track which trees you'd already I decorated it by one. I did too, which you know not only means that. There should have been some method of tracking the trees that you had decorated, but it also means that there are maps or areas of the map that I didn't go to regularly because I wasn't out there actively chasing the trees, even though I should have been since I didn't get the challenge completed in time. But I was just playing normally, and in my normal gameplay, it means that there was an area of the map that I just never went to. So, I mean, it is... It's not the hugest map that's ever been, but there, there's a lot to it, even, you know, when it's a mobile battle royale, it's still quite sizable. Definitely. So speaking on the size of the map and, and you briefly mentioned it earlier, but um, like you mentioned going into standard and there tends to be a little more bots. Um, can mm. you speak on maybe why there is bots at all or why there's so many bots? I know a lot of people were talking the other day about how, um, you know, they, they might get to final three in a standard and they're the only life player. That kind of situation I don't think should be happening as far as getting to the last circle and there are still bots around. Uh, but just bots as an idea or a concept, it serves multiple purposes, uh, all of which I think 
are good. And they are like first and foremost to reduce queue times. The game is available worldwide, and so time zones are a thing. Obviously, they're regional servers, and so if you're in North America, there's a North America server. Most people that play on that server are going to be in a similar time zone to you. But at the same time, um, there will be times of day when there are more people online or less people online, and particularly with ranked matches, because it also has to take into account your rank and matching people who are at a similar level to you. Um, so bots are there basically to make sure you don't have to wait too long. That's you know one of their purposes. Another one is they're not that smart. I don't know if you've noticed, bots are pretty easy to kill and nearly impossible to die to. Um, and that is an intentional design choice because a lot of people that are playing the game are not Battle Royale fans. They're Final Fantasy fans. They've never played a Battle Royale game before. And so, you know, if they come in and their only experience in the game is dropping and immediately getting obliterated by someone who's a million times better than they are, they're going to be turned off immediately. So the bots are also there to give casual players something to do or, you know, ways to brush up their skills a little bit, get used to some of the aiming against moving targets, uh, practicing materia against moving targets, that kind of thing. And that's why there are more bots in the standard mode than there are in the ranked mode. And there was that was an adjustment that was made about a month ago, I think. Um, they reduced the number of bots that were in ranked, but they left it unchanged in standard. And that's because you know we want standard to be a more casual experience for players who aren't that hardcore into battle royales. And so we we left the number of bots there as it was uh, to give them. And I keep saying them, but I'm included in that because I never play ranked. I always play standard for exactly the reasons that I'm outlining here. Uh, it's more fun to kill people than it is just to die instantly. So that's another role that bots play. But, you know, that said, I and again, this is just my personal opinion. Uh, bots shouldn't be there in the late game. I don't know how exactly that comes to pass. And it's not as rare as you would hope. I've I've heard quite a few reports of that happening. Yeah. And I think there's still some tweaks that could be made, some adjustments that could be made. Uh, for example, the AI of bots getting made more difficult, at least at higher ranks, is something that should be examined, in my opinion. Because as, as I said before, they are intentionally stupid at the moment. You know, I was just going to say, it, it, I think one thing that one thing that could work to me in that regard is is if if by some weird fluke they are making it to you know the final circle or final two circles maybe just scale their ai with the 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 circle you know sure i was gonna say the same thing um i wouldn't you know, assume that kind of thing is possible on a technical side but i couldn't say for sure one way or the right. other because i'm not an engineer but as far as ideas go i definitely think it's viable I think with the bot thing, like I, I agree with everything you said and I'm all for it. And, and aside from your points, there's one very, very big reason that I'm totally okay with it. Uh, like I said, me and my friends, we used to religiously play H1Z1. I speak very highly about that game because I absolutely loved that game as a battle royale. When everyone moved on to, you know, Fortnite and PUBG, I got stuck in the past because I didn't enjoy those games nearly as much. 
Um, and I kept wanting to play H1Z1, but we couldn't because that game died. And one of the reasons mm-hmm. it died is because there, you know, with, with no one playing it, the lobbies were dead. If you go to play H1Z1 right now, you will sit in a lobby for 15 minutes if you're lucky. And if the game starts and drops you in, you drop in with four players and the final circle. That's how dead it is. So I really like the fact that there's bots because I, I really enjoy this game. And I've said plenty of times before with H1Z1, I was like, I wish I, you know, if no one else wants to play that, this game, that's fine. But I do like fill it with fake people. Um, so the fact that this game already can do that is great, especially for me and Alec, you know, we, we work 12 hour shifts overnight. So there's a lot of times where we'll, we'll be at the end of our shift winding down, sitting in our cafeteria and we're playing a couple rounds of first soldier on our phone. It's, you know, fucking three, four in the morning without bots. We might not find a match, but at least now we get to play. Well, in the beginning too, we did do that. Exactly that. We would sit there and we would queue up six times oh, yeah. each week. We would queue up two minute time or would run out, requeue. Two minute time would run out, requeue. And now we don't have that issue anymore. So I'm I'm definitely appreciative of the bots. Um I you know, having them in the final circle, you know, t- you know, it is what it is. Um I do like the leveling system. You know, we talk about it's an RPG, right? So if the you know, we talked about it for like your player, but if the bots also scaled as an RPG, I think that would be a really good addition and make them make them harder as, as the as the circles get smaller and smaller and the game gets longer and longer. Maybe they increase because they're leveling up just like you are and and they're going to be harder opponents at that point. And I think that would be a good way to kind of balance it out. So even if you are fighting against a bot in the final circle, maybe it's not just an easy I'm gonna shoot them while they run in a straight line at me and and that is that, you know? Sure. And I think there are multiple options that could be examined by the team. And personally, again, just speaking for myself, I think something should be done because I understand both sides of the coin. Like I'm appreciative of the bots and how I have easy targets that I can kill. But at the same time, people who are playing at higher levels than me don't like the bots because they are too stupid and they don't feel like they're gaining anything from their play sessions when all they do is go out, kill 10 bots and then win in the final circle because their opponent fireballed himself or something like that like they want to get something out of it they want to feel like they're improving or raising their skill level and i completely understand that as well uh so there are positives and negatives to it i think so i i don't know what the best answer is but again i'm not an ideas guy the team has a lot more smarter people than me um, but i do pass along all the feedback that i get when we have a spreadsheet that i keep updated with uh, requests and opinions from the community, oftentimes with my own opinions added on, and the team looks at them fairly regularly and discusses, you know, what they should work on and what can be pushed back a little bit or what should be a higher priority that needs to be addressed right away, all that kind of stuff. So I don't want to say definitively that bots will be changed because I haven't spoken to the team specifically about that subject, but it is a fairly frequently repeated piece of feedback that we get. So we shall see. Yeah. One, one thing we were talking about the other night, which, which is not nearly as aggravating as it is just funny is uh, we're, we're talking about the, the complacency that comes from the amount of bots when like sometimes you'll drop into a standard match and you'll run into, you know, three, four bots in a row. And uh, you know, you run into someone and you're like, ah, it's a bot. And so you, you do some stupid shit trying to like you like you're trying to save ammo so you're just spamming melee combos for no reason you're not even really tracking them or you know maybe you're only trying to kill them with fire and next thing you know they light your ass up because it wasn't a bot um 
I am guilty of that, 100%. I've done that many, many times. Like I drop in and I see footprints on my UI and I think, oh, cool, a bot nearby. Let me just finish looting and then I can go kill them. And then I'm dead because it wasn't a bot. Yeah, (laughs) it happens far too frequently. But uh, no, I I am appreciative of the bots. Uh, Not to say, again, that things couldn't be tweaked, but like I think it's a great system. I'd rather have bots than not be able to play the game. So um sure. I agree. in regards to the ambassador program like what is you know what is your favorite thing about the ambassador program and, and having the ambassador program obviously it's it's a great thing uh and i know what i'm appreciative for just being a part of it but for you to be the man chosen to lead it you know what what do you appreciate about it most um probably the direct communication that I'm able to have with all of you. We have the ambassador uh, section in the Discord channel, and I've come to have pretty good relationships with a lot of the ambassadors. Um, And you guys have done a really good job of obviously producing content for the game, uh, which is one of the main goals of the program, obviously, was to show the game off, help it really reach uh, a wider audience of players, um, and you guys have done a great job of that, but I've also been able to gather a lot of feedback uh, and requests through the ambassadors um, and, you know, help the community stay informed as well. Like Luxon, you were mentioning earlier that uh, you had a question about melee damage uh, for the different styles uh, that you had asked shortly after the game was released. And there have been a lot of situations like that where ambassadors have questions. They ask me, I ask the team, and I'm able to get a response to the ambassadors and therefore their communities. Um, so being able to have almost not an unlimited number of channels, obviously, because we only have so many ambassadors, but a a much wider variety of options, uh, for ways to relay information about the game to people that play it and enjoy it. That's been very cool. Um, and yeah, just getting to know everyone, having conversations in the discord channel, seeing the ambassadors interact with each other and the, and the discord channel. And all that kind of stuff has been really fun and really satisfying. And you guys are some of the most passionate players of the game that we have. And seeing all of your content when you're having so much fun with the game and interacting with your communities who are also enjoying the game, it's just, it's all very fun to do. Kind of hard to believe that it's my job sometimes, but I guess I'm lucky like that. Well, I got to say, you know, it's got to give you such a sense of like pride and like oh wow look at all this stuff like i'm part of this team that put out this game and and look at look at the the enjoyment that everyone's getting out of that's gotta that's gotta give you so much pride and and like fulfillment right it does in a way but at the same time i can't really take credit for it i wasn't involved with the development at all like i'm still i'm still very happy to be an employee and be able to kind of represent the company to the community and represent the community to the company but at the same time like i can't go out there and be like, hey, check out this game that I made because I I just joined the team really when the game was almost done. Like all the core mechanics were there, all the styles were there and all that kind of stuff. And I didn't have any input at that time. So, I mean, I'm not one to take credit for things that I didn't do. And this is no exception. Like this is all on the team at A-Team Entertainment and Square Enix working together have made this, this game that I think is very, very enjoyable. And honestly surprisingly enjoyable i don't think too many people were you know when this game was announced were expecting it to be as fun as it is 
and then they give it a try. They struggle with the controls for a little bit, but as soon as you can get over that hump and find a control setup that works for you, it's like, wow, this game is actually really fun. And I'm I'm in that same boat, and I take zero credit for it. I guess to me, it's like team team effort, right? You know, like yeah, maybe yeah. you didn't design the game, but you're part of it. And even doing things like, hey, like like because Luxon's an ambassador, and you were talking earlier about. Um, getting feedback from the ambassadors. And so a lot of times, and I think actually that melee one that Luxon put in earlier about, um, hey, do you like do sorcerers like just because they have a two hit combo instead of a three hit combo like warrior do the same amount of damage output. I think that was actually, if I'm remembering correctly from me, uh, yes. because I was playing sorcerer and I was curious. Yeah, it was. And um, so it's like, I'll ask him questions and I'll be like, I don't know, let me put it in ambassador chat. Um, and so he'll, he'll reach out and, you know, kind of begs the question like, if, well, so actually, I have a question that we don't even have on our docket, but like, if there's something like, if someone like me who is playing the game but maybe doesn't have access to an ambassador, can they just drop an ambassador chat and get an answer? Is there another way for them to reach out and like maybe get answers to the question, or is it just like Reddit or community post or anything like that? Or um, that's is mostly it at the moment. Um, people are free to ask me questions in our official Discord server as well, and I respond to as as many as I'm able to. But I have a lot of other responsibilities outside of just running the Discord server and the Ambassador program, so I'm not always able to keep up. Uh, and a lot of times, I I'm not able to get responses in a timely matter manner from the team either. Either they have to look into things to find the answers, or you know, my questions get lost in the fray because uh, the chat rooms that i'm in are all very active um so that's mainly it um i do actually probably even sometime this week plan to add to the discord server uh a suggestions channel and a bug reports channel mm. uh, so people will be able to make their suggestions or requests for the game as well as report any bugs that they encounter so there should be channels for that as far as questions go, though, yeah, it's basically just ask an ambassador who can relay it to me or ask directly in like the general chat and Discord or in a DM to me. Those are the main options right now. And I don't necessarily want to say ask an ambassador because I don't want to get it. I don't want our ambassadors to get inundated with questions from the community that they then either have to struggle to answer themselves or try to contact me to get an answer to it. So there's there's no real ideal solution but at the moment those are the only options i guess given the option between hey i have this question uh and i have like i have access to an ambassador right you'd rather have us ask the ambassador rather than just be like oh i'm never going to get an answer or reach out in other ways i'd uh, say it's up to the ambassador really if they're willing to field it and kind of be the middleman then that's fine with me but at the same time like if if they'd say i don't know man just go ask yourself and just have them come into the discord channel and ask me that's fine too yeah i obviously i can't speak for every ambassador but i i love it i love it for two reasons one uh a lot of the questions that have come to me from you know whether whether it's just alec while we're playing at work or or it's one of my viewers um it's stuff that like i hadn't thought of and so a lot mm. of times someone's like uh, and, and and that's the other thing too, right? A lot of times when people ask me, their their intent is an answer, not hey, I need you to ask this for me. And so it's kind of cool when someone will reach out and be like, hey, what do you know about this? And I'm like, oh shit, actually, I have no fucking clue. Let me go find out because then mm -hmm. it's more for me to realize. But the other reason sure. I like it is because it gives me a sense of like, what's the word? 
like like it gives me a reason to be an ambassador, right? It gives me a reason to be a representative of of the game. Uh, as much as I enjoy it, I like being able to help other people enjoy it. And in my opinion, that's one of our, I guess, responsibilities. Like, I don't want to say we're obligated to do it, right? But otherwise, what's the point? Why wouldn't you? So I I enjoy people coming to me with those questions. And obviously, I don't want to flood you with 100 different questions like you said. Um, but, you know, if I if I can ever get a question answered then you know if if not for my own sake at least for the person that originally asked i'd rather do that then yeah if you're fine with it then i'm fine with it if you ever have questions from your community pass them along and i'll do my best to get them answered and honestly i'm kind of in the same boat as you like 99 percent of the questions that i get from the community i don't know the answers to either so i pass them along to the team and i learn the answers along with the community there's i don't want to say never uh, a situation where I don't, or I already know something, but it, it's pretty rare where a, a question is asked of me that has already been asked or that I just happen to know the answer to offhand. Most of the time I have to check with someone on the team because it's information that I don't have either. So I've definitely learned a lot of the game, uh, a lot about the game um, due to questions being asked from the community. So I'm always appreciative of it as well. Um, speaking on that, if someone has suggestions and like wants or like has an idea for something or wants to suggest something, um, and maybe they put it in the Discord or they reach out or talk to an ambassador and they put it in the Discord, however they may go about it, are people actively how likely are they to be like implemented or even considered? Because you know, obviously, it's your guys' game. You guys make the decisions, but I'm sure. Um, and we see it all the times with like other games. Like, oh, somebody comes up with like this really cool idea that maybe other people haven't considered or um what have you so how likely are those changes to be like even considered or maybe even implemented if it's something that like you had already thought of and you guys were working on or maybe it's a new idea or a new concept it entirely depends on the suggestion itself it's kind of hard to give one blanket answer that covers everything but i will say that uh 99 of the suggestions that come in do get passed along and do get looked at um like I mentioned briefly before, we have a spreadsheet uh, that I keep updated. And basically, whenever uh, there's a suggestion or a request posted in Discord, I make a note of it, do a quick and rough translation, and I, I put it on the spreadsheet. And I'm not in the meetings when the team goes over the spreadsheet, but I know that they do. And I also have regular meetings with my boss, who is above the development team. And he's also a fellow foreign guy, so I can speak with him in English. I can show him uh, chat logs from Discord, from DMs, so he he can get a good feeling of how passionate people are about some of the ideas and things that are posted. And then if he also agrees that you know it's something that needs to be considered, then he can apply pressure to the team, which is very helpful, and I've taken advantage of it on multiple occasions. So there's... I mean, there's also development hurdles, um, and what I mean by that is that even if something is a super good idea and it's pretty much universally loved, it may not be technically feasible to implement, or implementing it would mean sure, that yeah. resources that were currently being spent or planned to be spent on a feature has to be reallocated, and that feature has to be pushed back or canceled altogether. So it's all kind of a balancing act. Um, no matter how big the team is, you're always going to have a finite number of resources that you can use uh, for development. And so you have to look at uh, 
user requests and demands, of course, but you also have to look at existing features and things that can be improved, things that might be better than what the community has come up with. Uh, also, the business side of things, and this is something that not a lot of people like to touch on or go into a lot of detail about, but the game is a business. It exists to make money. And so not everything can be free. That's why, I mean, as of now, everything in the game that's monetized is just the paid skins. It's all customizable or customization options. Um, but, you know, we have to keep that in mind as well. There has to be things for people to spend money on in the game or else it's going to die because <laughs> it costs money to operate and probably a lot more money than a lot of people realize. And I don't want to go for into sure. the whole that yeah. side of things because it's, it's boring, but it is something that needs to be considered. Uh, when people are making suggestions like, yeah, it'd be really cool. It's a really fun idea on paper. But if we implement that, then we'll dive into the red and we'll never be able to recover. <laughs> so, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that have to be looked at and examined when making those kinds of decisions. For sure. And, and you know, I think just to me, like as someone who's not, I mean, I play I play casually. Right. But someone to like me who is not an ambassador, not not like all up on the game whatever but even like if i had an idea and i wanted to throw it out there just the fact that like you said there's a spreadsheet where they put all these you put all the ideas in and and it gets considered at all is just like mm -hmm. wow or like even like maybe not maybe it's not even a big consideration but it's like hey someone suggested this no that doesn't work all right let's move on you know but the fact that it even gets thought of or considered in any aspect is 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 great i think it's from multiple community members I know it's not the most visible thing because I don't always reply when suggestions are made, but I'm constantly taking note. Um, I don't get kept in the loop uh, when things are accepted or rejected. So even in, there have been a lot of situations where the community makes a suggestion or a request and it gets implemented, but I don't find out that it's going to be implemented until I see the patch notes. Like the team, I think they do a better job of keeping me informed of hey, we got the suggestion and we agree it's really cool, so we're going to implement that. You should give that user our thanks, that kind of thing. It'd be really nice if they did that kind of thing. Um, and I'll probably have to talk to the team or my boss about applying some pressure on that front. So I know it's it's not the most transparent of things and people feel like they're screaming into the void when they're making suggestions, but I promise they are being read and they are being considered. A lot of... A lot of developers from, from AAA down to indie, like... I, I would argue that we do have the transparency in that my community manager just said it out loud, right? Like a lot of developers don't even give us that much. Like like mm. just knowing there's a spreadsheet and just just knowing even if there wasn't a spreadsheet, just knowing it's getting discussed, like there's there's a lot of companies that are are super blind eye to their community. I mean I've I've God, I could rant about it for the next hour that we don't have. There's so many companies that make games that I play or used to religiously play that completely ignore their community. They don't care. And we've briefly touched on it in some of our past episodes too, right? We're like, how often do you actually listen to your community? Because the community is not always right versus not listening to them at all and, and so on. And that could be debated to the end of time. But the point is you guys... I think have enough transparency at the very least to the ambassadors and then the ambassadors can share that with their communities. Um, and it's, it is just comforting to know that it exists, right? It's comforting to know that if I, if I message you and I'm like, Hey man, 
uh, one of my viewers tonight had this really good idea and it's this and you're and all I get back from you is, hey, yeah, no, I like that. I'll pass it on like that to me is a big deal because I don't have that with other developers. I don't have that with other companies. I don't have that with other games I play. And I, I know, again, I can't speak for every ambassador, but I know like for my community and my viewers and, and my friends playing this game, they appreciate it just as much because they're getting that answer even as people that aren't ambassadors, right? They might not have direct contact, but they can sit back and go, I submitted an idea and somebody somewhere is listening to that. That's, that is a big deal for people that play video games. You like to be heard, especially when it's the content you're, you're paying for or playing or, or whatever. You want to know that your opinions matter. And just because your idea doesn't become a real thing 100% of the time is not the disappointing part. The, the lack of consideration is, like, like, uh, like Co said, like Alex said, to have it considered at all is what matters. So uh, I I am really appreciative of that for sure. I've just been sitting here nodding silently for the last few minutes because I completely agree. And that's why, you know, <laughs> as a community manager, my key policy is always transparency above all else. And I've probably been more transparent about some things than the company would like. If my bosses were ever to sit there and look through the Discord chat logs, they might some, see some things that would get me in trouble. But uh, I have the exact same opinion of you as you and the, the same experiences as you of being very passionate about a game, very active in the community and just getting stonewalled by the development side. And it's very frustrating and it feels like you're not cared about, you're not listened to. And so that's always been you know, like my, my number one motivation is to avoid that happening. So I'm glad it's not going unappreciated. Thank you for the kind words. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. And uh, speaking of appreciation uh, and and your job as a community manager, thank you again, dude, for taking the time to to be here and and talk to us for we you know we've taken up an hour of your time. Uh, so I'm I'm super grateful for that. Even just as an opportunity to get a little more insight on the game, a little more insight on our community manager. Um, hopefully, you know anyone that that is listening to our podcast that maybe hasn't tried the game yet maybe this gets them excited about it i i would i would love for someone to reach out and let me know that they they tried the game based on this episode or or anything that we discussed that would be amazing but yeah it would really really grateful that you took the time to sit here and talk with us man thank you it's been my pleasure and i hope i didn't talk too much and now i can no. kind of go off on tangents sometimes and no. talk a little bit at length but no it's perfect i had fun yeah no i'm glad huge thank you again to evan for taking the time to sit here and talk with us uh if you guys have not yet tried final fantasy 7 first soldier uh it is a mobile final fantasy 7 remake battle royale and it is phenomenal as someone that never played mobile games and still really doesn't and and someone that is not good at battle royales uh i'm level 100 on a season pass and play every day so like try it because you have absolutely nothing to lose the coopcouch.simplecast.com you guys can use that website to find all of our previous episodes we are available on every major listening platform apple podcasts google spotify others that i've never heard of you name it in the top right corner you can find both of our twitter links my Twitch link. You can find Alex Twitch link, but again, he is not currently streaming and our Facebook page. So if you guys have any questions about this episode, previous episodes for soldier, uh, or you just want to tell us that we're awesome and Evan's awesome because you should, uh, you can use those links to do so. 
And uh, that's all I've got. Until next time, guys, we'll uh, see you in the next episode.